Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino and Chris Fuller, helping you and people across the globe live life to the fullest. Our focus is on you so you can be your best and create the life you deserve. Visit us at besteveryou.com. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here with, we're going to talk some baseball today. All right. So we have Ken Davidoff with us, and uh, he's from the New York Post. Ken, welcome to the Best Ever You Show, and thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. Yeah, fun. Who doesn't love baseball, really? I mean, (laughs) baseball, oh my gosh. We've all, it's so nice to have uh, some semblance of baseball back after I don't know how many months off, a year off, all this with COVID. It's been so disruptive, hasn't it? Yeah, and they they were able to have a partial season last year, but it wasn't much fun. You know, there were no crowds until the the World Series and – yeah, there was just there was a certain joyless aspect to it, but uh, thankfully the crowds are back now. <laughs> they sure are, and and better than ever. It's uh, it seems like people are are appreciative of of everything. So tell tell me about. Okay, so you are a baseball writer, and you are one mm-hmm. of the uh, you are really are one of the brightest lights in in the world of sports journalism, and you are a baseball columnist for the New York Post. I have so many questions around that. I, can I go back first? Can we go all the way back? Like, let's ke- go back to Ken in kindergarten. Is Ken in kindergarten just a <laughs> t-baller and <laughs> a writer at the same? Tell me about Ken in kindergarten. I got to know. Uh, well, Ken in kindergarten was very shy and uh, never much of an athlete, although I tried. Um, <laughs> so I knew pretty, pretty. I think I, you know, had some some writing abilities. So I, yeah, I, I never really. Uh, aspired to be a, a ball player. I always wanted to write about uh, baseball. So, yeah, when I was in second grade, uh, I remember reading uh, my hometown newspaper, it was the Newark Star-Ledger in New Jersey, and I would read the, the Yankees' coverage in particular. They made the World Series that year. They won the World Series. And I remember thinking, like, you know, I, I didn't look at TV, and so I wanted to be the people on the TV. I read the newspaper and said, I want to be this guy writing articles about the Yankees. Uh, so I am uh, fortunate enough to have uh, achieved that dream. That's a, that's cool. But what have you gone through to achieve that dream? Tell me, tell me, for anybody who wants that dream, what have you been through? Yeah, I, I, look, I've had a pretty linear path to where I am. Uh, I definitely put in my share of hard work, and I, mm-hmm. I feel like I've been blessed with some some good fortune as well. So I, uh, I attended the University of Michigan. Uh, and I, I wrote uh, sports for the newspaper there, so that kind of built up my my credentials. And then I got a job uh, a few months out of college at a small newspaper in New Jersey that no longer exists now called the News Tribune, and I covered high school sports there part-time, worked a few other part-time jobs at a radio station in New York, at a magazine in New York. Uh, I actually did a little substitute teaching at first, so I didn't get my first full-time job until after I, uh, was, I thought I was three years out of college. Uh, so that was quite a journey um, just to get to that point. After I was, again, I was very fortunate. My parents put me up. They took me back after college and uh, made, <laughs> yeah. made, it, made it economically possible to do that. And I got my first full-time job with the Bergen Record newspaper in Hackensack, New Jersey, 
uh, covering, again, high school sports, college sports, and I, I climbed the ladder there uh, to where I was what they call the Yankees beat writer. That's really the person who covers everything going on with the Yankees. And then I switched to Newsday uh, in 2001, was there a Yankees beat writer for a few years. Then I got promoted to baseball columnist there. And then in 2012, I switched from Newsday to the New York Post for a similar position. And so you didn't wake up in, in third grade and have the job already after dreaming about it in second <laughs> Not grade? Quite. <laughs> Not quite, right? Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> no instant gratification there, huh? It sounds like a, a lot of work, but it sounds like sounds like fun. Yeah, look, and my job's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I cover, you know, I, I we call often we call sports the toy department of journalism, and there there is some truth to that. Uh, but what I also like about my job is that I'm not only writing about baseball. I'm not only writing about swings and pitches. I'm also, you know, I get to be a pretend uh, expert in medicine, in finance, and in law because there are injuries, there are contracts that get negotiated, and guys get arrested. So uh, uh, I get to really touch on all those different areas. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't think about that, I guess. I would think about you writing just about how they perform in a game, but you're not, are you? That's part of the job, but, but again, what I, what I like is that it's not all of the job. I, I really enjoy those other components. You know, when a, when a player uh, gets caught uh, using steroids and there's all these legal ramifications involved, I really love being my, my teeth into that kind of stuff, uh, married to a lawyer. So I like to pretend that I'm a, a lawyer by osmosis. So uh, I, I <laughs> I'm really, married uh, to a lawyer, too. So I get into uh, – I really – enjoy getting into those kind of details. Yeah. I am, I'm married to a lawyer who's from West Orange, New Jersey. So we know our New Jersey oh. well. And, and you know, it's really funny. Um, when we moved to Maine, one of our kids who now plays college baseball, he wasn't a Red Sox fan. He was a Yankee fan. And Red Sox territory, it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Go Yankees. Um, so, okay, so – do you have – can we talk about other baseball writers? I just thought this would be a fun question to ask you. I don't know if it is or isn't, so you can take a, a solid pass on it if you want to. But do you have other mm-hmm. favorite baseball writers or anyone who inspired your career? Well, I have very specific mentors, people who I worked Ooh, alongside cool. uh, and who really helped me. And I, my, my first mentor was really Bob Klappish. Uh, we worked together at the Bergen Record. Bob has written – many books uh, about baseball. He's with the, the New York Star Ledger uh, right now. And then when I went to Newsday, I worked with John Heyman, uh, who now does broadcasting for the Major League Baseball Network. Uh, and uh, I've now worked uh, at the New York Post for nine years alongside Joel Sherman, uh, who was really uh, you know, someone I looked up to even when we were competing against each other. And now I've been proud to call him a, a teammate for a long time. Yeah. And – and I got to flip the question because you must be mentoring other people. I try, <laughs> I try, but I, I, <laughs> you know, I would leave it to them to determine the, the success of those efforts. <laughs> That's cute. That's very humble of you. Um, so, <laughs> um, what are what are some of the challenges that you have when you're working at one of the most popular newspapers and covering baseball and, and all these things? Are there is everything just super easy and and no challenges, or are there challenges? <laughs> <laughs> no, there are certainly uh, challenges, and really, I, I think the primary challenge is just keeping up with the twenty four seven 
news cycle, which has really evolved in my time doing this. Uh, you know, when I first started covering baseball in the late 1990s, you know, if, I, if you told me some really good morsel of information at 8 a.m. today, Tuesday, uh, I had no way to make that public until about 6 a.m. the next morning you know, because I would just file it for the newspaper, and that newspaper would hit the newsstand at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. the next morning. Now, if you tell me a, a, a tidbit of news at 8 a.m., I have to have a public for 8.05 at the very latest. You know, I have to yeah. uh, put together an article. I have to tweet it out. I have to figure out some way uh, to get that out there ahead of my competition. And uh, obviously now with, with, with the Internet and with social media, there's a lot of pressure uh, to uh, not only just break your own news, uh, which is always very good, but just to keep <laughs> up with everything else my competitors are putting out there. And sometimes my competitors are right, and you, you, you eat some humble pie, and you, you match it and you credit them. Uh, and sometimes they're wrong, and then you have to waste time uh, figuring out, okay, well, you know, this was not right, and uh, it's really unfortunate that I've had to spend time chasing after someone else's bad info. Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we have a question actually, um, and I, th- I think it. I think you kind of just touched on it, but I'm going to ask ask a little bit more of the question. So um, mm-hmm. we do have a, a college student actually who just asked this question, and they said, mm-hmm. "Is it possible to enter the world these days of just sports writer because they love the depth of coverage compared to some of the shorter, you know, sports anchor type positions?" Is it possible to be a sports writer and not have to worry about social media and media? Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure I entirely understand the question. So uh, I think it was more about the de- – I think if I read more, maybe I paraphrased it wrong a little bit because it's a pretty long question. But first of all, they were so happy that you're with us. And the second part was, huh. is it possible – I think they like the depth of coverage in the writing in the writing aspect of it. And they were wondering if it's possible to, to just focus on that, or do you always have to be on TV and this or that? Does it always have to be multiple media methods? No, rest assured, you do not always have to be on TV. I mean, TV is, a, is, a, is both an option and a, a choice and a bonus. I mean, you know, I, I mean, you're not, you get on TV, that means you're good. You know, so you don't you don't start off doing everything. You have to earn your way on it. Uh, so uh, yeah, you start off. You know, if, if your writing is going to be the foundation of what you do, then you you start off doing that. And you know, if, if you're good enough, and, and if you get some reps on TV and you can prove yourself, then you can go on TV. Love it. All right. Hopefully, and if that didn't answer your question, please just tweet me again, and I will um, I'll ask him again, different way or whatever you need. But thank you for uh, writing in and asking us us a question. So um, just keep keep going here with baseball because it's I mean it's really it's still a really popular sport. Um, do you do you think it needs to change at all to attract younger fans? <laughs> That's a doozy of a question. Sorry. <laughs> Well, it's okay. No, that and that's a huge issue, and that's something that slightly uh, spends a lot of time and dollars trying to figure out. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there is certainly some concern about the demographic demographics of baseball in particular. It, it, it does skew older among the fan base. Uh, so, yeah, baseball is trying to figure out uh, how to engage the younger demographic. I, I have a son who's seventeen. He likes baseball, but he won't sit down and watch a whole game. You know, they'll watch highlights. Um, on social media or, or 
TV in the morning or what have you. That's the new reality. So how do you create more highlight moments? I think one, one thing baseball has tried to do, which I have uh, applauded, is trying to inject more personality in the game. You know, it's okay it's okay to showboat a little bit. For a long time, there was an co- unspoken code about baseball. You weren't allowed to celebrate big moments, uh, you know, a big home run or a big strikeout for a pitcher. And I think baseball has actively encouraged players uh, to be a little more animated. And from my anecdotal uh, exchanges with, with the younger people, I, I think this is, uh, this is smart. You know, I think people are into that. You know, they, they see that in other sports and in basketball and football. Uh, so that's one way. And then there's the on-the-field component of the games are just so darn long. You know, a baseball game now, the average game lasts about three hours. Uh, and most people feel that's a, just a touch too long. It's nice to get it down to two and a half. So they've been trying to experiment with all sorts of rule, rule changes to get that time of game down to two and a half hours. And what that will often do is upset the traditionalists, those, that older demographic, so that it's a tightrope. You know, you don't want to uh, offend your existing customer base. We're always trying to recruit more, too. Yeah, baseball to me could go 47 innings in one game and it wouldn't be long enough. <laughs> baseball is so awesome. <laughs> I love baseball. <laughs> what's your What's your favorite part of baseball or some of your favorite things about baseball? Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny. Now that I've been doing it professionally for so long, uh, I always say, like, I don't love baseball. I love journalism you know, because I, am a, I do work in journalism. I don't really work in baseball. Quote unquote, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I, I look. I enjoy covering the game of baseball, and I, I think I enjoy the strategy. I think the strategy of baseball is the most accessible strategy of any sport. You know, I think in football, you, there are certainly some components of it that are accessible. You talk about should we kick, kick the field goal here, go for the touchdown here, go for two points, go for one point. Uh, but a lot of football is very granular. Uh, where I sure as heck don't understand what's going on with all the X's and O's. But I think nearly everything in baseball involving strategy, which allows fans to think along with the the managers and debate uh, what you would do here, I think all of it is accessible. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. Did you – okay, so we we can't let this conversation go without talking about people. Um, (laughs) You've you've probably met a lot of people along the way, right? Do you have, have, do you have thoughts on people have. that you've, that you've met that you've, you know, cherished the moment or really didn't love the moment or whatever? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have both. I have both. Is there someone specific you'd like to discuss? Um, well, I, you know, I, we got Derek Jeter, you got A-Rod, you got George Steinbrenner. I mean, there's a lot Stottlemyre. There's, I mean, there's so many Mel Stottlemyre, Mel Stottlemyre. There's so many people that you, if you think about and, and, you know, not just Yankees, but, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know here. So <laughs> help me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I've, I've known Derek Jeter since 1996. Um, yeah. uh, I, we've had our ups and downs. We've had our differences. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I, I, I honestly thought at times the coverage of him got a little uh, mythological uh, as opposed to the, uh, the person player he actually was. I, I, make clear, I don't think Darji was a bad person at all, uh, but it's certainly not the, the, the godlike figure some portrayed him to be. He was fallible like the rest of us. Um, so, you know, we had some differences over the years, but it's funny now, he, you know, he's the CEO of the Miami Marlins, and uh, I, I haven't seen him since the pandemic yet, but before the pandemic, we were, we were getting along uh, quite well. I, 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 I probably think maybe both of us have changed uh, for the better. 
Um, and then uh, Alex Rodriguez, uh, just I mean, just an epic figure in the game's history, and uh, someone I've always enjoyed covering because I, I I've followed him. I said uh, between you and Donald Trump, you've kept print print journalism alive for the last twenty years. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, he just, he was always creating headlines, whether intentionally or not, uh, an all-time player as well. Uh, so yeah, definitely someone who I'm, I'm glad exists, who's <laughs> helped, uh, yeah. help keep him there. He's, he, I remember he ruined one anniversary of mine because, you know, that, that was the day Major League Baseball announced he'd be suspended for a year. So that, you know, that I was busy all day on a Saturday. Um, so, uh. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's 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 epic. That's all I can say. George Steinbrenner, I got to know somewhat well uh, during his last run uh, before he passed away. Uh, another epic figure, just someone that, yeah. uh, incredibly entertaining and was always doing this crazy stuff and saying this crazy stuff. My, my favorite George story is I was would often chase physically chase him down to get a few words with him. And <laughs> February fourteenth, two thousand three, down at, at the Spring training facility in Tampa, uh, which is now called Steinbrenner Field, uh, we were chasing him down a hallway, uh, and my wife called me to say, "Hey, we're pregnant uh, with, with our son." <laughs> so that's I always remember where I was when when my wife called me with the wonderful <laughs> news. I was literally chasing down George Steinbrenner like a bunch of Keystone cops. That's funny. <laughs> I love it. Ah, yeah. And and what's your child's name? Uh, JJ. <laughs> is there any? Jason. Okay, so is there is there a baseball tie in there at all, or anything that <laughs> that's fun? With the or name? No? Yeah. Not with the name, no. No. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. So you know, how sometimes people do that: their cat, their dog, their child, their <laughs> their this or that. You have no idea how they the middle name is or the first name or whatever. But yeah. All right. And um and do you have one? You have one son. Does he? And does did you say he plays baseball? Yes. I was just curious. He you retired like from baseball after eighth grade. That was his, his last year. Now yeah. he plays tennis for his high school. Oh, that's neat. You know, a lot of baseball players can play tennis. I'm surprised. It, but surprised, not surprised. So, yeah. But that does happen sometimes, right, about that eighth grade, that eighth grade point. Um, what about, okay, so do you want to talk Hall of Fame at all? I'm happy to. Do you, do you uh, yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out t- favorite topics that's a favorite topic so tell me if I um but should like when there's not somebody in the Hall of Fame do you think there should be like do you get strongly opinionated on people like you know Pete Rose Shoeless Joe Jackson A Rod Barry Bonds Roger Clemens do you get do you get actively vocal about that <laughs> I certainly do yes that is uh, one of my my favorite topics I I I've got very strong opinions on this you know I. I feel like uh, the Hall of Fame is a building in Cooperstown, New York. It's a physical building. There are entryways. There are restrooms. There are water fountains. There are full-time employees there with dental coverage. It is not heaven. You know, it is a building. And in that building, there is a, a special room they call it the Hall of Plaques. And that's for everyone who has been voted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, now, all the people you mentioned have not been voted into the Hall of Fame. Every one of those single people you mentioned, I think, should be in that room. I, uh, there's a, a clause, uh, you know, the, the voters of some one are, are given a list of guidelines, uh, and, and included in those guidelines is integrity, character, morality, words like that. Uh, I think none of those words really were put into application 
uh, until uh, until the steroids era. Now, I, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson. Uh, yeah. But both of those guys were actually removed from the ballot. The Hall of Fame didn't let the voters vote on those guys. The Hall of Fame unilaterally decided that they would not be eligible, which I highly disapprove of. Uh, but then the uh, steroids guys, the ball players who either were accused or found guilty of using steroids, uh, have been kept out because of this character clause. And, you know, as John Stewart used to call it, I think it's selective outrage, you know, because I think there are people in that hall of plaques who damaged baseball far more, but still got in uh, because I think people just decided for whatever reason that nothing had ever happened in the game worse than steroids, of which I, I feel very strongly that that's not the case. Right. Yeah. And do you have a, do you have a take on like the betting issue? Or no, we don't have the, to touch it if the you don't want to. Yeah. Gambling. Why well, did you just, want to clarify the current gambling that's going on, or you mean the Pete Rose and yeah. Joe Jackson? <laughs> Both. Uh, yeah. Look, I think it's a reality. Uh, it, it's too big a revenue source to ignore uh, for the current for baseball as well as all the sports. You know, they're all embracing it now that, that sports gambling has uh, essentially been legalized. Uh, everywhere. So I, I, I can't really fault them for that. But what they really, really have to police, and I think it's inevitable, there is going to be some player who, you know, who does something illicit, you know, who, who takes a dive, you know, who, who, who gets in cahoots with, with gambling people and, you know, intentionally uh, performs poorly to help lose a game and collect money. I mean, we can set our watch that. That's going to happen. Uh, so we are opening that door. Uh, and now, you know, there's a lot of people are saying, well, if we can do that now, how come Pete Rose can't get in? I don't want to minimize what Pete Rose did. I mean, what Pete Rose did was, was horrible. You know, he, he was the manager at Cincinnati Reds. He was betting on his team to win three out of every five days because he liked three of his five starting pitchers. He didn't like the other two. So that sent quite a message to the gambling community when he was betting on his team three out of every five days. How hard was he trying to win the days he was not betting on his team? Uh, so what he did was very, very bad. However, I do, again, because of the other people who have gotten in the Hall of Fame, I'm okay with, with Pete Rose getting in, too. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but that still doesn't mean, you know, that managers today should be betting on their team. They absolutely should not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And and multiple people wrote in to ask ask you that so thank you for everybody again um it, it's fun to have you here I, I hope i'm thinking of everything to ask you if i'm not please just you know clue me in because you know i certainly i'm i'm a mom of a college baseball player who's <laughs> has not played baseball so um you know you learn you learn as you go so um but i do have the journalism component i have seen you know guys guys and gals work really hard to cover people and their sports and, and everything the best to the best that they can. Um, look, it, I agree with you. I, you said something at the beginning of the show that it's fun. It's, it's a, uh, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, like if you weren't doing what, if you weren't doing what you were doing, what you're doing right now, what would you be doing? And I said, well, I would have gone back and maybe been a sports writer too. So it's, it's cool to yeah. have you to yeah. have you here because I find it positive. Actually, I find it very uplifting and positive, and I love the, the mental part. Like, there's a lot that goes into being a professional athlete, a lot of things to make you successful, and I find it fascinating. And um, uh, to me, the news is kind of sad, can be. So, so sports, oh. I think, 
Do you see what I mean? There's just a huge difference because I was a news anchor and a news reporter and all this. I'm like, boy, this is bummer. (laughs) And sports to me aren't sports are so sports are uplifting for the most part. But um, do you agree with that or does it factor in at all? Well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, uh, know, I'm happy to engage on this going. I mean, clearly in recent years, especially since 2016, I think sports have become more politicized. Um, by choice, you know, uh, I mean, Major League Baseball moved its all-star game this year from Atlanta yeah. to, to Denver because of the uh, voting suppression laws that were put into place by uh, the state of Georgia, and many athletes have become very uh, vocal, as LeBron James comes to mind. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is all great. I think this is sports using their platform to, to try to make the world a better place. Uh, I certainly know there's a sizable contingent of people who I hear from on my email accounts and who are out there who, who really, really loathe this because they, they feel like sports is supposed to be only mindless fun. And I, I feel like these sports have a role to play in our society to, to, you know, they, they should be speaking out. I, maybe you disagree with that, which is fine. Um, I think you use your platform for whatever you're going to use it for. Hopefully it's to better yeah. whatever it is. So yeah, I, I personally love it when there's a platform at play. Um, yeah. So whatever, that's my that's my thinking. But again, I I certainly this is not one person's thinking. Um, do you what do you think about the because I'm his name here? What do you think about the Red Sox Yankee rivalry? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the best uh, clearly the best in fun? baseball and and perhaps yeah. the the best in all sports. You know, it's it's certainly right up there with uh, Michigan Ohio State uh, football. Well, that's been very one-sided for a long time now. It's still a, a fierce rivalry, one side the wrong way, I should add. Um, and, uh, you know, you talk about uh, what, oh, Duke, North Carolina, and college basketball. Uh, so there's a few others. Yeah, I, I think among professional sports especially, I think Yankees, Red Sox probably is the best um, just because, you know, because of the history, because of Babe Ruth uh, starting his career with the Red Sox and then going over to the Yankees and winning all those championships and, excuse me, the Red Sox not winning a championship for 84, 86 years, uh, you know, after they got rid of Babe Ruth. So, uh, yeah, two fierce fan bases, uh, two historically competitive teams, and, and so many great moments throughout the years, from the 1940s to the 70s to the 90s to the 2000s to the 2010s. So, yeah, it's just a very rich, deep, rivalry and, and one that makes us work better. Yeah. Kind of, um, as you were talking to, I was thinking about like the Browns and Steelers. Is it the, I think yeah. it's, it's the Browns and Steelers. I, 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 I would rank these Red Sox ahead of Browns and Steelers. Too. Yeah, um, I would too, but I had to bring the Browns in. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, they're interesting. Uh, yeah. Do you, it, it, sometimes being a Red Sox fan reminds me of, of just, you know, you're just like, oh, please, <laughs> win, you know, kind of well, thing. it's yeah. been a good, you know, for the last good. 17 yeah. years now, uh, the Red Sox it's have won good. four World Series. And the Yankees have won one, so the, the, the yeah. tables have turned. It's changed. Uh, I remember when I first moved here, that was one of the stories I covered for the news, and I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I was I was in the <laughs> nursing home with people who hadn't seen the Red Sox win their, pretty much their whole life. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. From yeah. 1918 to 2004. Yeah, 
and I moved right here in 2004. So, um, okay, so let's can we talk about you personally a little bit? Because we're the best ever you sure. show. And um, I'd love to know some of the things that you do to help you be your personal best. We can always have takeaways like that with somebody at a world-class level. <laughs> I don't know about world-class, but thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, if, uh, exercise, I think, is essential, especially now that I'm uh, middle-aged. Um, you know, I try to exercise five days a week and try to mix it up with different things. I could add wrote on my Peloton, so that's always fun. Um, you know, I try to eat somewhat healthy, <laughs> although I do treat myself uh, <laughs> when I feel I've deserved it, and I have a pretty low bar for, it, for that, uh, that reward. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, and I do, you know, I try, try to just have a life, you know, I, I do, yeah. you know, I, I work really, really hard and yeah, there are times when we're in the middle of a hot story when I'm, you know, from morning I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, I'm just working, but I try to take vacations with my family, you know, and, and I try to, you know, go out to meals with my family and try to spend time with my friends, you know, and, and and try to make all the big events. Uh, I mean, I, like my friends know, if you're going to have a wedding or a, or a bat or bar mitzvah in October, I'm probably not going to make it uh, because that's the playoffs, and that's that's yeah. pretty that's prime time for me. But the other 11 months, uh, I will do everything I can to to get to your you know get to your your special moment and and you know and your sad moments, your funerals. Um, so yeah, I just I I try. I guess I. What I'm saying is I try to work really hard, but not be a workaholic. Yep, and and the balance. I hear you. I hear you putting some balance in there for sure. Uh, you know, I was thinking about just food and treats. And our son, came, one of our sons, came home from college with four boys, and um, he brought home four pizzas from Pepe's Pizza in New Haven. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> there goes the diet. <laughs> oh yeah, pizza is my. Pizza is my thing, um, but yeah, it's it's really nice to have everybody back under one roof. But boy, four pizzas! I'm like, he's like, mom, you got to eat all this. I'm like, no, I'm not. I've been losing weight, child. <laughs> I took all my my COVID weight gain off, and I'm like, oh no, it's back in the house. Pizza. Uh, yeah, you know. So what are um before we go? I don't want to keep you too long here, but what are some of the things that you're working on right now? There's there's got to be some great great stories going on. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, at the at the New York Post, and we were just talking about junk food. Um, so, do you remember mm. the old Dunkin' Donuts commercials? Uh, time to make yeah. the donuts with the, the bald guy with the mustache. Uh, you know, like, and that's the way I regard my job. Like, I think that guy guy is sort of my hero. Uh, you know, <laughs> because every morning, no matter how groggy he was, and uh, it was time to make the donuts, and he took pride in his work, and he made darn good donuts, and uh, and people enjoy those donuts. And the nature of my job working for a daily newspaper is every day I got to crank out a column, usually two, if not three uh, columns about baseball. And it is my job to make those columns. Those are my donuts. You know, it's time to, time to make the column, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's time to, to churn out that day's column. Today, as we're talking, uh, I am covering uh, a Yankees game tonight, a uh, Yankees road game, and then the COVID reality. Uh, I'm covering from my home. You know, I'll do, they have the players and manager available before and after the game on Zoom, so I will do that, and then I'll watch the game on TV, and I'll be right in my columns. Pre-COVID, I would have been w- with them in Texas. Um, so, uh, 
but that's the nature of my job. So I already know what I'm writing for what we call the first edition column, and I'll have that done before the game starts. And then I'll write the, watch the game on TV, write a column as the game is going on, likely hit the button on that column as soon as the last out is made and the game ends. Then I'll interview the players and, uh, and manager and write another column off what they say. Uh, so that is the nature of my job. You know, it's, it's really like we put our all into every single day because we want you to buy the newspaper every single day, just like that gentleman wanted you to buy the donuts every single day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds like a lot of work. And what happens? You know, do you do you record the game? Like, do you you know you can't really record the game or anything like that, or do you? Or do you like watch it back to make sure you saw everything? You didn't fall asleep or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, well, There's like a lot of stuff I, I going on. It's a long time. I'm, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I mean, I'm watching the you know the Yes Network or in case the Mets have their own regional sports network. So they're, they're pretty good at providing replays. Uh, and then and nowadays with social media, you can get any replay you need pretty quickly. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no, I, I know you're not falling asleep. But, it, you know, I'm just thinking about, like, doing that. They play a lot. How many games do they are they going to play this year? 162. Yeah, that's a lot. And do you cover all of them? Every single one? Not every single one. I mean, I, I, I generally work okay. five-day work weeks. You know, occasionally it's more, very rarely it's less. Got it. Okay. And do you always, you know, I haven't read everything that you've written. I've read a lot. What? You haven't read every article? <laughs> I know. In the last I need to write. Years? I need to, I'm going back. I'm reading everything. What kind of host I'm are fascinated. You? I think it's, I know. I, I, but no, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm pretty fast. I'm in now, so I'm, I'm reading it. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'm an Iowa girl, you know, I got to go back and I got to learn. Um, and, and, you know, not, when you're not from the East Coast, sometimes you don't know everything about what's here and stuff like that. But anyway, I got, I'm, I'm with you now. Um, <laughs> but do you, do you ever feel pressure to just write positive things about people? Like, do you ever, are you ever, do you have to give people a heads up if you've got to write something negative or do you feel bad or do you not, don't care? That's a great question. Great question. And I yes, feel like I would hurt people's writing... feelings. <laughs> yeah, look, if, if everyone likes me, I'm not doing my job properly, um, but, it's, but it's important that everyone respects me. Um, mm-hmm. So you're right. You're 100% right. If I'm going to really criticize someone, I will give them a heads up. And there's okay. sort of this invisible line that I know about, you know, that I, you know, I, I can't fully define for you, but I know when I need to give someone a heads up. Uh, and there are times like, oh, this is just sort of a mild, you know, mild chiding. And uh, this one, this one doesn't necessitate a, a heads up um and you know sometimes it's kind of happening in real time like sometimes sure. i'm interviewing the person and the person is saying stuff I'm like all right well i'm gonna have to rip this person uh but yeah it just it, it's, a, it's a great question because yeah there are people i really like who i have to criticize and there are people i really dislike who i have to defend um and that's that just kind of comes with the territory of my job but uh so you know i do i feel pressure that's a, that's a really good Fair question. I, I, I'm not sure I would define it as pressure, uh, but yeah, for sure, if someone is good to you and you think they're a good person, you'll enjoy criticizing that person less than you might yeah. for someone who you think is is, is, a, is a bad person. <laughs> um, I think that's that's human. Um, so I think I've answered your question. Yeah. Does it does it help um, develop them at all? Like like if you've got something negative to say and you say it in such a way, even if you don't write it, do do you ever Show, you know, say, hey, I saw this. You could do the, you know, do you ever give advice or is that, you know, 
I realize the difference between, you know, journalist and coach, but do you ever help anybody like right. that? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think there have been a handful of instances where, uh, you know, I said, hey, here, here's just a thought here. You know, you might want to. Now, now, yeah. I'm not giving advice on uh, hitting or pitching, but more in terms of media relations, you know, just like, hey, just for future reference, you might not want to say that or do that. You might want to consider this. I'm, I wouldn't say that's something to do on a regular basis, but there have been a few instances throughout the year when something like that occurred. Yeah. Now, is Sarah, your wife, a sounding board before you hit the go button on what you what you print and write or no? No, she's pretty busy, too. So, no, she's, <laughs> Just uh, wondered. She's uh, home with your, yeah, you're like, hey, no. honey, what do you think of this? So, no, hey, honey. What Generally do you think of not. Uh, you know, something's going to get me in a lot of trouble. Then, then I might I might do that, but no, not on a daily basis. She, so she doesn't go, you can't write that about him? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. All right. I got one more, and um, I, I'd mm-hmm. love to leave us on a Hank Aaron note because we, we, we yeah. lost him. And I would love to know what, what you, your thoughts on Hank Aaron. Hmm. Yeah. So Hank Aaron, uh, first of all, I, I, I'm not going to uh, pretend that I knew him uh, incredibly well. You know, Hank Aaron last game was in 1976, which was, that was kindergarten Ken Davidoff, 1976. So <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I didn't, didn't know Hank well at all, but I did have a few interactions with him over the years and he was everything that uh that he was said to be you know just, just classy and gracious and humble and uh and cheerful and really just you could see why people revered him the way they did and uh you know he really he had so much to say about the world beyond baseball he had a lot to say about baseball as well uh, but I do feel honored that I did get to have a few, excuse me, exchanges with him over the years, you know, just a few brief conversations and group interview type settings. Um, and I remember he came, like, we do an annual dinner in New York that he came to a few years ago. Uh, and he couldn't have been uh, more of a gentleman. So I do feel honored to say that I did meet the great Hank Aaron and, and someone who really t- touched the world in a, in a unique way. Beautiful. And and you just, you touched on, I think that of him too, and no, I didn't ever get a chance to meet him or anything like that, but you could just see the grace and elegance and, and everything about him. Is there, is there someone you could teach us for a second who's, who's like that now? Like who, who, who is, who's like that now that we can just get behind and just root for, and they are just through and through just so gracious and elegant like that for real. That's a great question. Us- so a current player? Yo, please. Because I'm going to just really player. get behind somebody. I Whatever. Um, just, I just always, I, I love people like that when they're like that for real. Yeah. Gosh. That's, I mean, that's, it's a high bar to clear. Uh, Isn't it? Someone like that. Yeah. I mean, CeCe Sabathia, who just retired a couple of years ago, so I don't quite meet your oh, standards. Oh, cool. Uh, CeCe is a lot more fiery than Hank. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, Hank was uh, very... Uh, uh, level guy uh, and CC definitely gets pretty fired up at times. But just the way CC conducted himself under the spotlight, uh, the way he dealt with the drinking problem, you know, that he admitted it to the world, and he discussed it, um, and and he, you know, we talked earlier about players putting themselves out there regarding political causes. He certainly put himself out there uh, since 2016. Uh, so he was someone who I really thought was someone uh, who should be 
uh, root of foreign support and, and, and all that. So I, I'm, I, no one is coming to mind who kind of meets that high bar who's currently playing, but uh, maybe next time we talk, I'll have some more. Yeah, no, we can do a follow-up blog or something like that as you think of think of people. I know I threw that out there. I was um, one of my favorite players growing up, because I grew up a Twins fan, because I'm from, you know, Iowa and Minnesota, was Kirby Puckett. Loved mm. Kirby. He would come out and play, and again, I didn't meet him or know, you know, but he would come out and everybody would go, Kirby Puckett, you know, just scream, <laughs> the whole place would go go crazy for Kirby Puckett. So everybody loves Kirby Puckett. But um, uh, one final question. When you are mm-hmm. around the team, do you just put a jersey on and, like, put a pen, like, in your pocket and just be like, hey, sign? <laughs> I think that'd be fun. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> sign my jersey. <laughs> are you allowed to no, do that? No, that's a hard no. Oh, you can't. That, no, no, really? No, that is, no? A, that is a fireball fence. Fireball oh, fence. Oh, so seriously. That's not happening. Oh, oh. No, that would be a serious ethical breach. Oh, you can't do that, huh? All right. No, I think that'd be no, no, no. so. It wouldn't even be fun or funny, huh? All right. I just think that'd be the nope. cutest thing. But so you can't. That's a faux pas, huh? Cannot ask for autographs or anything around people. It's beyond a wow. faux pas. Wow. Fireball offense. Yeah. Good to know. See, now we're yeah. learning. I wouldn't. You'd never know that unless somebody taught you that. Probably right. Do you have to teach people that? <laughs> I bet. Yeah. No, generally no. <laughs> no. no, people. No, because you're, you not, you're not a fan. You're a journalist. Oh, yeah. Good. Good learning. Okay. See, see, I probably would have made that mistake. See, that's what I'm doing. What I'm doing, and not that. Oh, anyway. All right. Is there anything <laughs> that um, is? It's fun to have a conversation with you. Thank you for being so candid and so fun and so so knowledgeable. Is there anything before we go that we that we didn't cover? I can't think of anything. That has been a, a really a, a fun conversation. Good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Ken, and uh, everybody. I guess, so where do I tell people to pick up a, a subscription to the New York Post and read Ken's column? Is that the best one, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I write for the New York Post. So, you know, it's online and whitepost.com, and it's on sale. Uh, the, the print edition is on sale in the tri-state area of New York. It's on sale in Florida. California, Boston, Philly, BC, you know, not, not quite the whole country, but certain pockets. And then uh, I'm on Twitter, just my name, Ken Davidoff, at Ken Davidoff. Yeah, and it's really you, and that's wonderful. You're very responsive on Twitter. I was, I was super surprised, so that, that made me really happy. So, <laughs> All right, thank you, Ken. Thank you for being here, and thank you to Steve Cohen for helping us um, have you here. We're very grateful to, to Steve. And, um, Ken, thank you very much for being here on Best Ever You. I hope you have a, a beautiful day, and thank you again. Thank you, Elizabeth. Right. Have a great day, and it's been really, uh, really a pleasure. All right, awesome. Hang on. Here Thank you for listening. You. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you, and remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. <laughs>